Hello, it's Dr. Barry here, and this is the first episode, guys, of the TV version of the Health and Wellness Connection uh, show. Not radio show anymore, guys. Health and Wellness Connection TV show. And I want to thank you guys for joining us to the transition over to television. Now, for those who are kind of interesting, uh, interested, interested in what we're doing and kind of you know, wondering what's going on with the radio show still exists, don't worry. We will still broadcast the audio for the podcast listeners, so don't be uh, concerned there. But... We are now on television, guys, so I want to thank you guys for joining us. And we're going to have, of course, the great articles we always present uh, by yours truly, Dr. Barry. And I want to thank you guys for again for joining us here on television. So, again, we are still broadcasting from Afro Vibes Television Studios here in Houston, Texas. And we're going to bring you some interesting articles that are coming out regarding, you know, health and wellness and the news that kind of been going on over the past week or so. Now, of course, everyone knows that we still have issues with the coronavirus. Now, coronavirus is still, um, unfortunately, getting worse. Now, it is the fall season. A lot of people did predict that um, these numbers would go up with the uh, fall season as people are, not, are more so indoors and people are getting close to one another. Um, it's going to be, of, of course, increased risk for transmission. And, of course, we're seeing those numbers play out uh, when we look at the official tallies. Now, of course, guys, we go to uh, worldometers.info for all of our data. It's compiled fairly accurately from different sources across the globe. And it does show that we are in an uptick, guys. So total number of cases of the virus. All right, guys. So as we were saying, the coronavirus numbers are still uh, quite large. 46.2 million, uh, million people total have had the virus and been documented uh, positive uh, per the global numbers. Now, one thing we are seeing, too, is the death rates are starting to rise. Now, one thing that we have noticed is that the death rates have not been as high as they were initially when, they, when the virus first came on the scene uh, last fall. However... The numbers are definitely heading upwards. Total of 1.1 million people have been uh, have been uh, pronounced deceased as a result of the coronavirus infection, and 33 million people have recovered. So again, reiterating the fact that this is not a death sentence, guys. But you still need to be careful because for many people, especially the older populations, it is extremely uh, dangerous and has been a significant source of morbidity and mortality. So now let's talk about the countries in, in particular that have been implicated as far as some of the biggest. Uh, 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 countries where the coronavirus is, is most prevalent. Now, the USA is still number one and has led the charge for many months now, and many people are blaming Donald Trump, the current president of the United States, for those uh, issues. Now, just a quick, uh, 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 just a quick review of the numbers: 101,000 people were apparently newly diagnosed as of yesterday. So the numbers are definitely going up. If you recall, during the summer uh, months, it would be about 30,000 new cases per day. So now we've we've um, Definitely double that, nearly triple those numbers to 100,000 cases a day. So we are definitely seeing increased uh, uptick there. Now the deaths are still actually up, but they're not as up as we anticipated given those uh, initial new cases numbers. Total number of new deaths as of uh, yesterday, which was October 30th, uh, 988 people. So uh, the deaths are definitely decreasing as a percentage of the overall cases, but definitely both are trending up. And for those reasons, there is much concern. Now, India has been another country that's really had a lot of issues dealing with the coronavirus as well. Increased cases uh, have been a consistent theme for the past uh, few months. Now, on the bright side, the numbers have actually decreased slightly. There are about 48,000 cases per day, about 550 deaths. And that's something that you have seen in the Indian um, numbers. The deaths have kind of remained low throughout the whole process. So they have been fortunate in that regard. So third, Brazil 
Uh, they've also been high as well, and they've kept those uh, numbers up, unfortunately, with 20,000 new cases and about 529 deaths. And France, uh, rounding out, I'm sorry, Russia, number four, with 1.5 million cases, 18,000 new cases diagnosed uh, this past uh, yesterday, 350 deaths. So overall, again, the numbers of new cases are definitely trending upwards with deaths uh, being um, also on the upward trend, but of course not those numbers that were initially predicted. Now, overall, many people have been kind of um, concerned about the coronavirus, and it's actually been considered the number one case or the number one issue that's facing uh, many Americans as they head to the polls this upcoming week. Now, of course, everyone knows the election day is is uh, very soon, this upcoming Tuesday, uh, November, so forth. So. This has led to a lot of back and forth, a lot of polarization um, in the political landscape. And of course, you know, once people go to the polls and make their vote, it's going to have a huge implication on how this whole pandemic is looked at going forward. Now, to, 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 to reference that, many people are looking at Europe currently and seeing how they're responding to the pandemic given this new fall number and uh, new rise in cases for the fall. As we said before, France is actually um, up on the list of now, they've started to go up slightly to number five. And um, Germany is also rising as well, number 15, with 20,000 new cases. And they're seeing their surge and are getting quite concerned. So much so that they're actually going to now reinforce a lockdown. Um, news reports out of uh, uh, Russia, oh, sorry, out of Europe, are saying that because of the concern of the increased rise in cases, they are now an overall um, move to actually impose new restrictive lockdowns to help reduce further spread of the virus in these European nations. Um, things like minimizing access to, uh, minimizing uh, people going to public events, going to social gatherings are being now um, banned and only essential um, activities like school and essential work service are being uh, allowed to operate. So uh, many people predict that you know these things will also be instituted, especially if there is a new administration uh, uh, that comes on uh, the scene. So, you know, we're watching these things closely, and because of this whole lockdown uh, issue that led to so much um, uh, anger and frustration throughout the, the globe, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the economy responds, the population responds to the potential of new lockdowns being, being reinstituted to help stem the tide of the coronavirus spread. So uh, that's that. I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of... At suffering what we call coronavirus fatigue, you know, it's been in the news at the American it, Medical Association down, and Trump, and of course, have really not been the best of buttons. News um, and the recent back there has been people who are just tired of it, and as a result, that have been going on between many people believe that this could lead to increased what we call ignoring the recommendations because of however, that has led to a lot of bad blood apparently. As a result, we're going to see if that's going to potentially make those attacks really have continued. Uh, with the recent know, claim by the Trump administration that or if they just start to do more physicians and other doctors you know, groups are actually to, diagnosing. So we'll see how that plays out as we monitor these numbers. To get and, uh, you know, now obviously these claims have been really not proven at all and completely baseless, but the president has repeated them quite a bit. And this has led to many physicians, especially uh, the uh, president of the American Medical Association, uh, who's based out of Fort Worth, Really calling out the president for these, uh, you know, basis accusations and trying to kind of challenging him to prove his claims or basically be quiet. Um, so, you know, and many people are also frustrated because a lot of these physicians who are dealing with these patients who are dying of coronavirus are feeling like they're being kind of um, attacked or being accused of malicious intent when they're caring for their patients. So, a lot of um, a lot of physicians are very very upset. Uh, one of the um, 
uh, members of AMA, Dr. Susan R. Bailey, you know, said a statement that, um, you know, that overcounting COVID-19 patients is literally illegal, malicious, and completely misguided as far as those charges, and really was very upset as far as her opinions regarding the whole uh, fiasco. So, um, and of course, personally as an emergency room physician who has actually worked and treated coronavirus patients, you know, it's definitely, I think, you know, outrageous to even assume that because we all know the danger of this virus. So, you know, and again, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I would be hard pressed to even believe something would exist. But, you know, that being said, you know, you can never say anything is an absolute and who knows what's going on. But overall, there's really no evidence to support these claims. So hopefully, you know, if there's any truth to this, these allegations, evidence is actually produced to prove that fact and those who are, you know, implicated are punished according to the law. But since there's no evidence to that, to that effect, we're going to call it uh, horse, uh, uh, horse manure, if you will. <laughs> so that being said, you know, that hasn't really let, um, you know, a lot of physicians who have been dealing with coronavirus, you know, put them in a good mood. And it's led to increased stress amongst doctors and clinicians who are on the front lines. A recent article actually did come out recently, guys, that kind of brought this to light. It was a new poll of emergency room physicians, and they were kind of discussing some of the issues they're dealing with as they're facing some of the patients they're dealing with in the ERs, especially during this pandemic. And this kind of, um, this actually was done by the American College of Emergency Physicians. This is a group of ER, advocacy group for ER physicians designed to help promote some of their issues. And it showed that out of 862 doctors who were, you know, who were interviewed regarding their mental health levels and their, you know, comfort levels in dealing with their own mental health issues, only 45%, um, no, 45% felt uncomfortable even discussing it which kind of shows this double stigma that's being dealt with amongst, especially emergency healthcare workers in the community, in the health community, because, you know, as on the front lines, you're kind of, um, you're kind of uh, given the job of taking care of those in their, you know, time of stress and time of need. However, very few people are actually looking at the healthcare workers' stress levels themselves and really asking them whether or not they are truly in a proper, you know, mental health space as well as physical health space to even be in that position to take care of others. So <clears throat> these things are coming up now, especially with the increase back and forth with the uh, government. Uh, and there's a lot of also issues dealing with some of the social uh, aspects of this entire pandemic. It's put a lot of stress on, on healthcare workers, especially clinicians, but of course, uh, nurses and other, you know, um, uh, respiratory therapists and other healthcare workers will probably also be, um, you know, have similar uh, numbers if they are so queried. So you know, it's definitely something that I think this pandemic is really showing some of the cracks in the healthcare system and is really, you know, exposing some of the stress levels that are being imposed upon some of the healthcare workers trying to deal with this pandemic and trying to care for patients during this stressful time. Now, you know, physicians, this, you know, have been going through quite a bit. But one thing that's also been um, a, a problem that has not got enough attention but is getting more is some of the healthcare disparities that we're seeing in some of these uh, cases that. Uh, are being, uh, you know, being analyzed. One particular case that I was actually um, personally kind of taken aback once I saw it was um, the death of a young uh, chief resident. Her name was Ms. Sh Sh her name was Shanice Wallace, MD. She's a she was a chief pediatric resident based out of Indiana University School of Medicine. Now, um, what was concerning is that she was a young, relatively healthy individual who apparently was pregnant. And was working as a chief resident doing her daily duty. Um, however, she actually passed away during childbirth as a result of complications from preeclampsia. Now, preeclampsia is a condition that's known to affect uh, many um, 
many individuals, especially in the African-American community. Um, it's basically a kind of a high blood pressure condition that many women develop around the 20th week of pregnancy. Now, preeclampsia is something that is very well known, and usually with good monitoring and good prenatal and postnatal care, you can actually do very well in helping or reduce uh, significant morbidity and mortality. However, due to some of the issues that we're seeing, people are actually at high risk of uh, severe complications from this condition. Um, uh, approximately two to eight percent of pregnancies worldwide um, have have some sort of issue or complication as a result of preeclampsia. Um, and it's the cause of about 15% of premature births in the United States. So it's definitely a significant issue. And what makes this particularly uh, unique is that this uh, young lady who passed away was actually a physician. So imagine a physician who has knowledge, who has you know, relative uh, access to wealth, was still able to uh, you know, potentially you know, succumb to an illness that you know, usually is uh, managed well when there's good clinical health care going on as well as um, close monitoring of the patient who's has, who has these issues. So um, now, of course, we don't know all the details of the case and how the patient actually passed. What we do know is that you know, the, this condition um, apparently got out of control, causing many different organs to fail in the patient who ended up passing away. So it is a huge loss for the community. Um, you know, many um, you know, people who were following this were you know, using this as a, as a way to highlight some of the um, huge disparities in healthcare. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, black African-American patients because, you know, despite, you know, all the advances that we're seeing, there's still these gross, you know, disparities as far as outcomes in different ailments that we, we're seeing are affecting, you know, black, Hispanic, and African-American communities more than others. So something that, you know, we're going to continue to focus on as far as some of these health disparities and, you know, we're going to also dive more as far as why these things may exist and how we can combat those guys. So. Again, Dr. Sharnice uh, Wallace, sorry, uh, um, again, passed away as a result of preeclampsia. Uh, again, another example of how African-Americans, especially African-American women, are at increased risk of some of the similar issues that you see in many other communities. Um, all right, so, all right, guys, so addressing the medical mistrust issue, that's one thing that's been trending more so in the medical community, especially with all the issues regarding, you know, coronavirus and how people have been a little bit suspicious of some of the treatments that have been, have been announced. Now, we just talked about um, the passing of um, the student physician, Dr. Shanice uh, Wallace, and it's kind of led to some of these, you know, it's led to highlighting some of the discrepancies we're seeing in, um, you know, the healthcare that we're seeing in African-American communities and other minority communities. One thing that has been uh, noted is that, you know, there has been a long history of mistrust in the minority community for healthcare practitioners. And that's usually due to a long history of different issues that have plagued the minority community, especially things like the syphilis, uh, Tuskegee experiment that caused a lot of um, you know, people who were harmed by different research uh, practices, as well as other potentially uh, you know, dangerous and potentially racist activities that have been engaged by some of the healthcare uh, um, organizations back in, in the day. So that has led to a lot of mistrust, and people believe that this mistrust is causing a lot of suspicion amongst the um, African-American community, especially as far as, you know, accepting some of the treatment um, that have been given to them by via their clinicians, as well as trusting the words of their clinicians as well as their treatments. So as a result, there's been a concerted effort by some of the leaders in the healthcare space, uh, for instance, Dr. Jonathan Merman, who's the director of the National Center of HIV AIDS, Hepatitis SCD and TB Prevention at the CDC, has actually come out with a uh, comp comprehensive article 
really addressing these issues and kind of establishing ways that the healthcare community can work to improve their relationship with the community as well as increasing the trust the uh, members of the community have with the healthcare professionals. Um, now, one thing that you know we've tried to do on this show is let people know what some of the real truth is and the data is, let them know the facts so when they go into these various healthcare settings, they can have information that will help them you know, get better results. Because one thing that has always been the case is that if you're an educated patient, you tend to do better in those settings because you know the clinician will know that you're someone who's concerned about the health and they'll make sure they provide you with you know sensible and uh, you know um, you know research uh, solutions. So, but one thing that um, many people have noticed is that when it comes to when they compared how HIV/AIDS treatment was uh, was undergone, and they noticed that there was again increased morbidity and and mortality in those in the African American community, and many people found that. A lot of folks who are getting treatments were not adherent because they didn't trust the words or the clinicians who were giving them the treatments. And that led to, you know, poor compliance and increased uh, complications and just overall, you know, worse outcomes. So it's been, you know, and, and this has been seen because some studies done where they analyzed some of the um, gay communities and looked at, you know, um, Caucasian gay males and African American gay males and saw that this kind of mistrust was far more prevalent in the African American uh, gay male community. This actually was conducted in Mississippi in the 2016 study um, based out of the article out of the journal AIDS Care. So again, um, the good news is that the reason why I brought this up because this article shows that there is a concerted effort by clinicians and scientists to help kind of you know educate other clinicians about the importance of understanding disparities and some of the issues that could lead to worsened complications. We already talked about preeclampsia, which is one of one of the biggest causes of morbidity for African-American females, um, way far higher than we've seen in other populations. And now with this coronavirus vaccine uh, coming uh, uh, online soon, you know, it's believed that a lot of this mistrust and issues there could lead to, you know, less adoption of the vaccine, which, you know, some would argue, you know, could be a good thing. Others could, could argue it could be a bad thing, especially if this coronavirus continues to spread, you know, more and more uh, uh, throughout the, the globe, if you will. So, yeah, so this is the thing that, you know, I just want to make sure you guys are aware of, that mi medical mistrust in relation to kind of historical issues with healthcare in America especially, you know, is something that is being worked on and hopefully will improve as we progress, you know, and we deal with all these issues uh, going forward. So, yeah, so now the last thing, guys, I want to kind of really kind of go into and give you some more info is, you know, we always know that the coronavirus, you know, and all these ailments for, for that matter, not just coronavirus, you need to have a healthy overall immune system to really have the best shot dealing with them and you know minimizing your risk of complications. So you know me, I'm a big proponent of you know getting healthy before you have to take medications. And we all know that whatever you put in your body is technically a medication. You may not think about it like that, but you know medicine is something that you essentially consume with every meal. And I'm referring to food. You want to eat healthy because if you're eating nutritious, you know very satisfying foods that will fortify your immune system and allow you to be able to fight infections far more confidently than if you, you know, were eating poorly. I say it's because those who are what I call anti-vaxxers believing vaccines are, you know, you know, poison or whatnot because you don't believe in the science, you know, I want to challenge you on that. But if you're stuck on that, then you should be focused on maximizing your nutrition because that's almost, I would say it's far more important than actually a vaccine because that's going to help your overall body you know stay healthy so how do we stay healthy There's, that's a whole topic in itself guys but we're going to talk about quickly today 
foods that are high in antioxidants. And I say antioxidants because antioxidants are some of the most powerful things you can consume to help neutralize some of these inflammatory free radicals that are really, you know, a big component of why people get sick, especially because they cause more inflammation, they actually weaken your immune system, they can actually increase your risk of cancer and all other issues. So this is why free radicals are a big problem and foods that can help neutralize those free radicals are really, really important. So I'm going to briefly talk about a few foods that are rich in antioxidants because again, that is what you want and that'll help you overall health improve as well as improve your ability to fight and treat infection. So first one, dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is one of the better um, foods as far as if you have a sweet tooth, but you still want to get some health benefits. Now, this is com compared to milk chocolate, which is actually not good for you. High in calories, high in fats, not the best food to be eating regularly. Dark chocolate, though, is nutritious. It's actually based on the cocoa, which is the actual nutritious part of that item. So the cocoa plant is rich in minerals, antioxidants, and is really where dark chocolate, you know, becomes a fairly effective food to consume to help improve your health profile. Um, many studies have proven how, um, you know, eating increased cocoa, especially if you dark chocolate intake, can reduce your blood pressure, can also help reduce some of the overall inflammatory markers that have been seen in patients who have, you know, um, high inflammatory states. It can actually raise your level of HDL, which is your good cholesterol. And that actually helps reduce some of the calcification and plaques that are, you know, in your um, cardiovascular system, which can lead to strokes and heart attacks. So a lot of this stuff is excellent. So if you're ever in the mood for a snack, consider dark chocolate. It's a great food. Uh, it's, you can get some calories, so it get, get your appetites um, satisfied and give you some health benefits. So that's that. So the next one, another good snack, good, powerful, rich antioxidant snack are pecans, guys. Pecans and nuts, you know I'm a big fan of nuts, guys. I always talk about nuts and different nuts on various shows because nuts are just so packed up with nutrition and overall um, health benefits. And they also taste good, at least to me. Now, if you're allergic to nuts, clearly ignore this stuff. I don't want to potentially <laughs> put you in the hospital trying to you know, eat nuts for antioxidants. But if you can tolerate it, which hopefully most people can, definitely consider adding uh, pecans to your diet. Uh, pecans are fantastic because, again, they're rich in antioxidants and can help you know, with all the same benefits we just mentioned as far as what antioxidants can do. They are an excellent source of that. And of course, in addition to this antioxidant boosting, they actually can help reduce your cholesterol levels as well. LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, as opposed to HDL, which is the good cholesterol, good cholesterol that's in your body. This pecans have been shown to actually reduce LDL levels by themselves after consumption. So extremely effective. And of course, people know that you can take medication for LDL cholesterol reduction as well but if you can get it taken care of with your diet then you know that's I think a huge win for all parties involved all right now another great snack you can consume that's gonna help reduce some of those or improve your antioxidant levels are blueberries now I've talked about blueberries so often guys like you already know that blueberries are one of my favorite foods why they're low in calories they're rich in antioxidants they're rich in flavor and color you can use them in so many different applications from you know smoothies to even you know if you want to get crazy with it you can make it like into a like a, a savory dish. Now, I'm not going to get into the cooking style. That's not for another show, I should say. But either way, blueberries are fantastic. So many studies have shown blueberries to be just so healthy and nutritious, guys. So if you haven't done this already, now I've mentioned this before you uh, mentioned this previously, add blueberries to your diet. Consume a couple servings a day if you can just because of the health benefits. Um, and, uh, and this not only includes blueberries, strawberries are also a part of that as well. So 
still both options. Really, any berry is, is a good way to go if you want to get those antioxidants in your diet. And of course, you know, you know, doing these at least, I would recommend two, three servings a day of any sort of berry. This can be in a juice form and a whole a fruit form, which is what I prefer. But still, you know, those foods are fantastic options to get those, um, you know, uh, antioxidant levels up. Another berry that's actually not highly regarded, or at least not in the United States, but hopefully this is changing, are the goji berries. Now, the goji berries are very popular in Chinese medicine, so they've been popular there for thousands of years. But you've seen them slowly come up because they've been recognized as superfoods because they're rich in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. So they're really a trifecta of goodness, you guys. You can get these goji berries really in most health food stores. I, I recommend sprinkling them in your oatmeal or in your cereal or just snacking on them here and there because they're just so healthy. They can do things like you know, lower your blood pressure, raise your antioxidant levels, you know, reduce your risk of cancer, just fantastic foods to eat. And if you notice a trend here, guys, berries themselves are just overall what I would call the bomb. It's not really scientific, but it's so appropriate here because they're just so helpful, tasty, and overall nutritious. Raspberries, too, are included as well. Really, any berry, you'll be hard-pressed to really mess up if you stick with the berry group. So enough about berries. Another good food that's kind of hated on a lot, but still very effective, and I still recommend it heavily, is kale. Now, I've talked to folks, they can laugh at me saying kale is disgusting, I'll never eat it. But yes, I agree, kale is not the tastiest of vegetables. However, its nutrition, nutrition profile cannot be disputed. I mean, it's really ridiculous. It has rich in vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin C, antioxidants. All those, by the way, are excellent for immune system health. We talked about the immune system and how vitamin C is critical, vitamin A is beneficial. Uh, you know, vitamin K can have some benefit, not as much as the others, but still extremely um, important part of, you know, an immune system profile. Um, so you kale has all that in one. It's almost like taking a, a multivitamin tablet. It's so, you know, rich in nutrition. So, you know, if you're someone who really can't tolerate kale, I would recommend spinach maybe. That's actually one of my favorite vegetables and it's also very, very nutritious as well. So, you know, all these things are important because, you know, when it comes to our health, guys, eating is critical. We have to eat well to maximize our health so that we can, you know, hopefully not have to worry about some of these severe complications we're seeing in patients who have some of these other infections. And, um, Things like kale, berries, and of course beans, guys. Beans are also rich in antioxidants, rich in fiber, and also excellent sources of various nutrients that can help us stay healthy, because that's really the name of the game, guys. Um, hopefully, guys, if you want more information regarding all this, check the website. Um, we, ha um, we post all the articles on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com backslash next level weight loss. Also, you can check me on Instagram as well, at DrBerryMD, you can search me there. Uh, I like to post a lot of articles and workout tips and different links to the show on those sites. And last but not least, you definitely want to continue tuning in to Afro Vibes TV as we have a ton of amazing content for you guys coming up from music, movies, documentaries, shows like mine, and other great, exciting programs that are just designed for awesome viewers like yourself. Again, thanks for joining us today on the Health and Wellness Connection uh, show. I have so much content for you. I'm very excited for all the possibilities of the TV show. Hopefully, we're going to have all kinds of new venues, and we're going to go on location different places and bring guests in, of course. And it's going to be an awesome time, guys. So stay tuned, guys. We've got a lot more entertainment for you. Stay tuned for more exciting programming from Afro Vibes TV.